In this episode, we're going to talk about how to set up an intelligence network, as this has become a growing idea and desire for many people in different groups and different walks of life in the country and perhaps even around the world. People want more information. They want to know how to vet it, make it more real, or find out what's real, how to disregard the fake stuff, where to go to get the information, most importantly, which is what the network's for. We're going to take a broad scope idea, scaled down, and slightly minimized a little bit from what agencies do and apply that to our personal lives. The easy thing about it is you already have the network. You just don't realize it. We're going to look at how to identify it, how to classify it, how to expand it, how to add sources, how to vet your sources. We're even going to look at how to gain your intel, something that you can use. So how to set up your intelligence network. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. This is episode 42 of the Gray Man Concepts podcast, where we talk about everything from espionage, surveillance, situational awareness, body language, persuasion, detecting deception, interrogation, how the agencies work, how the different intel disciplines works. And in this episode, we're going to talk about setting up your own intelligence network. I do want to give a shout out to our listeners around the world, as I see we've expanded now to 53 countries. Granted, there may only be one person in 40, 50 of them, but hey, hi to all you guys anyway. I definitely want to say hi to our service members around the world and the individuals from the intelligence community that recently contacted me with some questions and ideas. That was wonderful. Thank you to you guys. And don't get mad at me for pronouns. They were definitely all guys. I do want to give a disclaimer. It's late. I'm drinking coffee with coconut oil in it because I didn't want to go on the creamer. So my voice might change. could get flummy and I'll be taking some breaks. So if it sounds different from moment to moment, it's because I probably took a break and I just didn't announce it. A couple things to point out is understanding a bit about intelligence, how it works, the information, which is only going to be a small part of the intro here. First thing I want to point out is episode 10, how to analyze information. It's basically about processing information to determine if it's intelligence. It's a great, simple, down and dirty intro on how to do that for every person. And so for anybody who wants to do this, you want to set up your Intel network. I would say if you already feel like you're putting in real effort at trying to go through information as forms of like research in order to determine what's true, what's not, or to gain ideas on possible, say, threats in your area, I would go straight and listen to that before you do that anymore and really take some notes and kind of relook some of what you're doing. That's my advice. If you haven't been doing that yet and you want to start with doing your Intel network, don't listen to that one till after we get some of these steps done that I'll talk about in this podcast. Now, you'll already know by seeing the timestamp, but I kind of feel like this is going to be a longer episode. Now, one of the things I want to point out about intelligence, just so we can clear a few things up. Of course, people who have trained with me know I never really get asked up with people about terminology or how they understand things. That's the whole process of teaching, but I do just want to clarify a few things. The biggest misconception about intelligence is that it's a thing. That it's a noun. It's not. It's a verb. It's a process. It's a cycle of things we go through to take information to determine what has value, what has enough value to be called intelligence. Donald Rumsfeld, former Secretary of Defense, gave an interview several years ago, and he made a statement or response to a question. I don't recall the question. The question doesn't matter. His answer was this. He said, well, if it was true, it wouldn't be intelligence. 
Now, that might confuse you, and that's okay, but do understand this. That is the most accurate statement made about intelligence that I know of in this century. So whether or not you're a new listener, you're listening in order, you've jumped around, a few things we want to understand about this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to intelligence and collecting intelligence, and of course other things we talk about that won't be on this episode, like body language and deception. We stay away from subjective terms because they will screw you up. Okay, We don't look for truth, we look for facts. Think of facts like in a court of law. Facts may tell a story that somebody determines truth, but truth is subjective, right? Look at religion. I always use that example. You got this person over here, belongs to religion. They believe that to be true. Person over here belongs to another religion. They believe that to be true and the first one to be wrong. Do we know which one's right? Well, unless you want to pull out your emotions and beliefs, we probably really don't. But the idea is truth is subjective, whereas facts are not as long as they're vetted and verified to be actual facts or at least noticed to be partial facts, meaning this is a fact, but we are missing some information. So I won't go any more into that because that might already be confusing. Go back and listen to episode 10 and any other ones you think would factor into that, but that's definitely the one that's going to focus on intel, collecting it, processing the information, confronting our own biases and figuring out how to decipher all this this stuff we get all this input that we either forced on us or we choose to go after so an intel network let's look at what a network is to make it simple a network is really a pool of people a group of people that you can go to regularly continuously intermittently on occasion whatever your needs and desires are in order to get information or to gain assets so it doesn't have to be an Intel network, right? The website, LinkedIn, people go on there, talk about their work experience or education. It's a good networking platform for business. Some people go on there, recruit people. You know, any of those job hunting websites like Monster, if it still exists, those are networks. Facebook by itself is a network. All social media is another network. Anything that's like a group, an association, a nonprofit are types of networks. And if they're small, they're probably part of a bigger network. If you belong to the Chamber of Commerce, that's a network. If you go to church or any religious institution, that's a network. Your job, where you work, the people you communicate with is a network. Your friends, your family, two more networks. There's a bunch of them out there. So this is kind of a warm-up to letting you know like, that your network does already exist. And if you skip over what you already have and try to find new ones... You're subconsciously going to be inundated way too much. You're going to go back and redo what I'm going to tell you to do the first point anyway. And it's an easier place to start because I don't think you realize what you got. Now, this is going to require you sitting down and doing some work. Do understand this. When it comes to intelligence, especially analyzing, processing the information, developing assessments, the things we're talking about here, developing networks, this is all desk and computer and pen and paper work. This isn't the cool stuff. And even the guys that do the cool stuff, whether it's all the time or occasionally, they got to do a lot of the desk work too. But find a time, sit down, get whatever notebook, wherever you want to do this, get your pen, do it on your computer. And here's the thing too, don't freak out about how to do this. You can do a mind map, you can do a line and block chart, you can write it like you're going to do a book report or an outline for a research paper, you can make bullet lists, you can just make a title, underline it, make other lists, do whatever you want, whatever works for you. Make it sexy later. So we want to identify the networks we have. I'll give you a few examples, and it's going to help you find the ones you got. Okay, first one is your family, which may be two different networks. I say it for this reason. 
I don't live with anybody but my dog. So aside from her rabbit and bird intel, I don't consider that a network. But you may live with a roommate, maybe your spouse, maybe you've got children. That's one part of your family network. Okay, Your other network you would call family would be your immediate family. Now, it's up to you. You can add in your spouse's immediate family into that. You could make it a separate one. I think that's really going to matter on how often you interact, communicate with them, which I'll get more into later, so just keep that in mind. Same thing, you may add an extended family one. All going to depend on how much you interact and communicate, which again, we'll get into. You have your career, your work. Now, let's say you're forced to work from home right now. You still interact with those people in some degree. That's still a network. Let's say you're one of those guys that's got something like YouTube going or any other online business where you sit at home and you're making a killing. Great. That still could be a network. The question is the people involved. Because I want to clarify, we're not going after initially things like news outlets, research papers, you know, experts in fields. We're not going after things or unknowns. We're developing our network after what's available to us and that's the people we know. And I want to clarify why. One of the phrases they use, and I know people argue this, but I think you'll get the idea why they say this, whether or not you agree. Human intelligence, which is what we're talking about, going to people and getting information, is what drives the mission on the battlefield. That's what they say about our ongoing operations. Now you get over on the soft side, joint task force side, the majority of intel that they get that goes to any target is SIGINT because of its capabilities, how available it is to them, how much cool stuff there is. I mean, it's really awesome. They still get intel from human intelligence. They still get intel fed to them through their systems from the conventional side and the agencies. But human intelligence does overall drive most missions. It may not drive the decision, but it might drive the creation. But it is a contributing factor because you're dealing with people. Now, granted, people can lie more than a camera, but camera can only see so much, and there's process to determine how well you can vet an individual, but that's not what this is for. But that's the whole purpose of this, is we're focused on people. So we got we got our job, right? And, and maybe later you break that down, but start with basic, simple ones. Here's my job. Okay, so that's another network, another part of our Intel network. Perhaps you have some sort of club or hobby you belong to, so if you're a person that likes to do ham radio stuff and you talk to people on ham radio and it's a big part of your life and you, even if you're involved in clubs, even if you're not involved in clubs, you do the ham radio thing, that's a network. Perhaps you go to a class every week, whether it's in college or maybe it's just a group of people that get together and do like the book reading things. Nothing wrong with that. That's another group. You know, you might be involved in the PTA. You might be involved in Little League. Just look at all these things and make a list. Most people will have at least two or three, if not five or six. And before you break them down further, some people have 10 or 12. Now, start with these basic ones. You'll eventually add on to them. You may choose to break them down, but don't don't make so many of them right away. Don't like take your family one, unless you got a lot of family where you want to break it down in four other groups. But tailor it to yourself. What do you need? Now, what we're going to start with is by putting in their people, names. If you don't know their names, put in their titles as you know them. Put in both if you want. The people you want to put in there aren't the people you like, 
aren't the people you know or don't know, aren't the people you don't like. They're people that you have regular contact with, whether direct or indirect, that you regularly already gain information from. So I'm going to give you an example. You sit in a cubicle and you're near the break area. And you always hear this guy, Drew, at the water fountain, getting three or four cups of water, talking to people about his opinion on politics. And let's say, whether or not you agree with his opinion, he's one of the more vocal, outspoken guys about it to the point everybody just goes, yeah, uh uh-huh, and just tries to get out of there because he's irritating, right? You don't even know this guy. Here's the thing. Put him on your list. Because at a minimum, you're getting some sensing information on him. People like him or what he thinks about You're hearing what he's saying. You have the ability to sit there and take notes if you want and go check what he's saying and try to decipher whether or not it's valid or not or why he may come up with this. This is all part of the process with the intel we're collecting later. So that's just using that example is why you would put that guy on the list. Now, let's say you have a coworker. You might even go out to get drinks with a coworker every once in a while, or that's the person you hang out with if the whole group goes out. But you're not really friends. You don't hang out on the weekend, but you know each other. But here's the thing. If you're not sharing stuff with each other already or getting it from them about, say, their personal life, their opinions of the job, their thoughts on current events or or anything, really, it's just normal BS and you're only talking about work, I wouldn't put them on the list right now because you're going to find out there's going to be plenty of people. You can add people like that later. Right. So these are regular contacts. Let's go back to looking at like the idea of extended family. I have extended family like everybody a couple years ago. I got to see a few of them. First time I'd seen them in some of them over 20 years. One of my cousins, I had talked to her a few times, maybe six, seven years ago. I would not put any of them on my list. So when you're looking at something like that, it's how often are you in regular contact with them? And during your contact, what do you really talk about? So it's great if you've got a cousin, let's say, or let's say you got an old army buddy and you guys talk once or twice a year, right? Well, if all you do already is just talk about like your family and family stories or what you guys did in the Army, and you don't talk about anything else or anything current in your lives or anything current in the world, I wouldn't add them. But if you do talk about things current in each other's life, especially theirs, means you're going to be able to get information. They're willing, to, you're, you know, you can get info from them, especially if they talk about any current event of any type, even if it's about the price of the new McRib. I would put them on your list because that's an asset you can develop. That's somebody that's going to communicate with you that's giving up information beyond just the mundane. Now, if this seems easy so far, it's going to get worse. But I want to warn you, I'm treating this more like a live show because it's late. So I'm smoking, drinking coffee, trying not to take as many breaks. I'll try to stay up on the microphone like I do when I record these. I apologize if I get too far away and you can't hear something. But you're going to hear me taking drags and probably hitting the microphone and probably making some of those type sounds and not cutting them out. And if you're wearing headphones and that hurt, I'm sorry. All right, so this gets worse, but let's take a look at this idea now. Let me break it down for you with my fictitious world of family that I don't have and jobs and stuff. So let's say I'm married and I got a four-year-old kid. My wife's going on that list. I love my daughter, but her intel on Frozen doesn't help me. I'm not putting her on the list. Right. And let's say I got a mom and dad, a brother and a sister. I communicate to them all regularly. I feel like they're worthy of being put on this list. Even if they don't agree with me, even if they don't talk about things I want to talk about, we're not focused on what it is. It's the fact that they're communicating these things that I described. 
we'll say my brother's got kids and one of them's somebody I keep in contact with who's in their late 20s and talk about all kinds of stuff, I add them to the list. All right, then we'll say that I got one grandparent I feel is worthy of putting on that list and uh, we'll just say one cousin, right? So what's that, eight or nine people? I don't know. Then we'll go to my job. So I got my buddy Bill at work who I feel is worthy of putting on this list. We hang out and do stuff. There's another guy named Jared that I don't really know. I don't even like Jared. But him and Bill BS at work, and I overhear them talking about stuff I think is worthy. So I add him, even though I don't talk to him. And, of course, I got the guy Drew talking over the coffee machine. And then I'm going to add one of my supervisors because they sometimes complain about upper management to me as their subordinate. That's probably inappropriate. But that's a signal to me that they're going to let information fly if I really need to get it to them. And then I'm going to add Gary, who's the security guard I see every morning. And I'm one of the few people that says hi to and even gave him a birthday card. And I've even taken time to talk to him and found out he's pretty open to talking because a lot of people probably ignore him and don't talk to him. And he's told me all about his family. Then we're going to say that I go to church and we're going to look at like a group of four other families basically just this married couples that I participate in with some something at one of the houses that a lot of churches do, whether it's a Bible study or whatever. And we talk about a lot of things. And I haven't chose to include all of them on there, maybe all but one, maybe one doesn't talk much. And then I don't put the pastor on there because my only interaction with the pastor is when he's preaching and he's only talking about the Bible. But we have an assistant pastor on there when he talks about the Bible. He actually talks about other things in our lives or in his life or current events to tie it in, or even throws out his own political beliefs. And he does it to large groups of people and likes to be heard. I had him on there. You know, there might be, depending on your size of your church, there could be several worthy inclusions. You can take that description and apply it to any hobby organization. If you're that ham radio guy, you talk to several people on ham radio, but there's two people specifically in other parts of the country or world that you talk to on a regular basis about all kinds of stuff going on. Definitely would add them into the network. There's plenty of other networks. You may find that you have to visit your kid's school because they were bad or because you go to PTA meetings or you go watch them be involved in athletics. And there's other families or even one there that you've talked to sometimes about other stuff while you're watching the football game. Or perhaps these conversations come up during the PTA meeting. Or perhaps you're coaching Little League and you and the coaches talk about stuff. Right? It doesn't have to be current events. It's just people willing to give up information that hopefully by now you've learned is not stuff you should just freely give to anybody. Those are the types of things. People that are bragging about anything. People that are emotionally passionate and expressing ideas about anything current. The people that don't do that and don't share any personal information, but all they want to talk about is a hobby they have that doesn't pertain to you. Like they make cards with stamps and that's all they want to talk about in the paper and the stamps. You're like, probably I probably don't want you in my network. Of course, later, they might bitch about something, and then you're like, oh, maybe I will add you. What you will find is by the time this is done, 25 people, easy. For a lot of people, you could have 25. Some will have less. Some of you might have 50 to 100 people. That's a lot of places to get information. And anybody going to college, especially if they're physically attending in large schools, that might be broken down to many people, many networks. That could be a lot of people. So let's say you got 25 people. I think that's a good average. Some of you are going to find more real quick. So there's a lot of ways this gets more fun, that we're going to draw connections. 
Think about the Olympics, the symbol they use. They use the different colored rings and some of them can, you know how they interconnect on two layers like chain or like you're crocheting something. They don't all connect, but some connect to others. People make graphs like that with circles or they make line and block charts. You can get into this if you want to. One of the things you need to do is make connections between as many of these people as possible. Okay, and you're looking for direct and indirect connections. So direct connections are you and Bill from work go to the same church, okay? And Bill also does something else you don't do. Like let's say Bill's a ham radio guy and you're not. But Bill talks to Dave on the ham radio. And you didn't know that. Or you know that, but you're not involved in it. But your connection to Dave is he's the guy you sit with at the football stadium when your kids are throwing passes and making touchdowns. So you find out that Bill and Dave are connected. Right? But they're not connected like you and Bill are at work and at church. That's what I'm saying. How many of these other people are connected in ways that you didn't realize? And this is important. You're following the same criteria to the best of your ability. How is their connection? Their indirect connections are typically going to be location-based, but not always, but typically won't necessarily have to do with people. So let's try this again. We got that guy, Drew, the guy that was talking at the water fountain you chose to put on the list. Drew goes to church too, but he goes to a different church than you. And then somebody over on the Little League team that's in your connection also goes to Drew's church. That's an indirect connection until you can verify they actually know each other, which they may not. Now, to break down why this is important, why we're making these connections, these direct connections like Bill and Dave using ham radio that you're not involved in that network that would really be their network. You're identifying one of their networks, whether they call it that or not, that you're not involved in. If for some reason you needed to find out what they were talking about, it'd be easy because you could talk to both of them or find out more information about their connection. So their connection is ham radio. Because you go to church, maybe you talk to Drew and whoever the hell else I mentioned that go to another church. And you bring that up to discuss what's going on in their church. Why is this important? Well, let's look at current events, politics, just as an example, because that's all we see anymore. That should be over in a few days, but that's what we're seeing. You can find out not only what they think, what's going on at that church. What are people saying at that church? Do they talk about it over the pulpit? These are all the kinds of things that actually are questions that come into play when you collect intelligence from people. I talked on a previous episode, I believe I did, about how I think... I think I did, maybe even on the one I told you to listen to about collection requirements and how they're broke down. The questions get like this to try to get an idea of not only information that's out there, what people think, kind of an idea of how the populace thinks, but you're also getting information, where they're getting their information from. It gives you more things to check, more people that are willing to talk to you, more ways to get intel to the point that they might be giving you information you don't have to go look for, even to the point where you could task them with this information, which isn't hard to do. Now, you could literally just start with that, but we'll go even farther. This is how seriously I take it. Is basically, think about information you already collect on people. You've got birthdays, phone numbers, maybe addresses, kids' birthdays. Maybe you put it in your phone, you put it in your planner. You know, you buy your best friend a card. You call your mom on Mother's Day. These are things we already do. We're just adding on to that. And we're trying to now start to profile people and build up information on them to find out what we can. 
So I'll give you an example. Maybe you start talking to this guy, Drew, who doesn't shut up. Start to sort of fake make friends with him and you start to find out personal information. You could build up a workup on every single person, everything you can about them in whatever format you want, where you could put in personal bio information, you know, everything from their age, height, weight, blood type, where they went to school, you know, the jobs they've had, their resume, anything you can get, where they live, where they have lived, things they do on their off time, their family, immediate, extended, all the things on that. You might find other people in there that eventually you add as direct or indirect connections that may or may not be in your network. They might be on another list of indirect connections you want to explore or exploit later. So this gets bigger with more people. So that's one thing you can definitely do. Another thing you can do is then take all these organizations, locations, non-people things, the churches, the work, even prior work history, schools, people attended, whatever. You can research and find out all the information you can on them. What do they think? What do they believe? What do they teach then? What do they teach now? What did those guys talk about at Sunday service? How often does this club that the guy's a hobby hobbyist goes to a club? How often do they meet? What do they do? What are their schedules? Why is this important? This is all part of collecting intelligence. You can start to build up patterns of life on people. Movement how far they go, when they go, their travel times. I wouldn't start following people, but in the intel world, it gets to that point where surveillance is conducted. Don't recommend it. You're going to get in trouble, but that's how far it can go. You can actually figure out to a higher degree to certainty if you put the effort in what most people are doing most of the time, sometimes down to almost the minute and be right just because you've done all this recon and intel. What we're doing here is we're not only building up patterns of life, we're using it against these people, whether you want to consider that good or bad. Let's say, think of it like gossip, but we'll call it intel we want, but it's the same idea as gossip. People try to convince other people to give gossip, then they try to gaslight them or strong art them or use some secret against them, which is a big shock when they don't know you know the secret. So let's just say, for example, you profiled one of these guys, you found out what they do, you realize they go to Ham Radio Club across town on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and you just happen to run out to the store, and next to the store is an Asian massage parlor, and you saw that guy go in the Asian massage parlor, and you're like, this is interesting. <laughs> so you go shopping, you come out, car's still there, dude comes out, you realize the way he's driving before you separate on your path home, that he's actually going back home. And you're like, that's actually about the amount of time that the radio club goes. Come to find out at some point later that the radio club met and he said he was there and that's what he told his wife. Now you have something on the guy, which could be used later in negotiating, essentially negotiating, in order to get him to tell you something you really want. And you save those for sensitive pieces of information. This is how you develop and work sources. This is even about the network. I mean, not about the intel, it's about the network. This is how you work the people. But see, the general idea here is when you're developing a network and you're getting intel, here's what you're doing. You're taking people and organizations, cross-referencing them, connecting them, doing all the things I'm saying, trying to find out all the information you can on them that's existing information. Then you're trying to collect more, which right now you're doing yourself. In the intel world, you've got people to do it for you. Then the other thing you're trying to do is eventually get them to get you information. 
And some of you do that now. Some of you, if not all of you, at some point during the week, if not multiple times a day, get information from people, whether you're trying to or not, whether they're willingly giving it or you're just slightly persuading them or goading them along or teasing them, whatever you're doing, you're getting them to talk and tell you stuff that you just decided you want to know that probably doesn't even matter. You know, you got all kinds of people out there now. All kinds could be any number. I'm just saying all kinds that are voting and not telling people who they're voting for, for all kinds of reasons. I've got plenty of people to tell me who they voted for. It's not difficult. You don't have to be me to do it because believe me, I'm not putting any effort in. But you can find these pieces of information out. So hopefully you can see how you could take 25 people, which will probably be more for most cases, just through direct and indirect connections. You may have indirect connection, say locations or reasons people are indirectly connected might be another list. God knows how long that is. Now you have targets to research. You got physical targets and people targets to research. I'm just saying targets because that's a term we use. You can call them just whatever. You can call them sources. Give them a name. It doesn't matter. And you're doing research on the individuals as well as researches on the places, how they connect, if there's places that connect. So if it's your home and your family, while of course we're all biased to our families, pro and con, with the exception of the information you want to learn to keep more current on family members, you probably know just about as much as you need to know in that organization unless you're researching family tree historical data or maybe something people don't talk about a lot, like their medical health, what medications they've taken, what surgeries they have. A lot of people don't know that about their families, but maybe you want to research your finances to try to get stuff out of them. But most people know a larger portion of information about their family. You go to work, you may not need to research the organization you work for. You may be in a position where you know a lot about their mission, what they do, what they say, you know, what they sell. You might know all that stuff. Maybe you need to do more research. You know, you go to church, you might find out you all go to the same church, say you believe the same things, but you start talking to enough people, you realize, oh, we got some differences here. Why is all this important? Well, it becomes real fun when you know how to detect deception, read body language, when you're talking to people to try to figure out what they're really trying to say and whether or not it matters if they're lying to use against them later. You're doing all this research and data you have so you can figure out better questions to ask, better ways to steer people to get you information. You're finding your intel gaps, basically the things you want to know that you don't have an answer to. And if you have enough of this in the right way, you know what questions to ask, what person to ask, and have them get it for you so you don't have to because you're busy doing all this other research. You may find that there's conflicts about, say, businesses where people work. Or what that business, let's say it's something like a nonprofit, which is probably better than most major corporations to use in this example, where their mission, what they do, and what they believe in is completely opposed to what that person does at works there. And when you figure that out, that's a whole other line of questioning. Maybe they've already told you every reason why they work there, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense, and you didn't know that before. Now, when you do this, this is where you're getting more intel. Because you can find out all kinds of stuff like this. I wouldn't use social media. I'd use real people. Most social media is just repost. Social media is great for getting personal information. People are way too open on there, but I wouldn't use it as a source of information you want to process and intel when it comes to articles and all this stuff because it's, it's hard to trust. Now, looking at sources of information that aren't people that you want to put in your network, follow the same process. Okay, but listen to that other podcast, episode 10. You need to identify and challenge your own biases. 
Okay, you need to recognize what your emotions and passionate beliefs are and be cognizant of those because that's going to lead you down a path you want to go, not down the path of finding information you can process into Intel. You see it all the time on Twitter, right? There's all kinds of people right now on Twitter that trash on the president and then trash on Senator Biden. Those people already know who they're voting for. They're not providing you information. They just hate them. And you don't want to be one of those people for whatever subject that you're researching. So when you make this other network of non-people stuff, you could put news outlets in there. Okay, don't put ones in there because you don't like them or you don't trust them. Put in the ones you're currently using and then go research those companies. Find out who actually owns them, who runs them, especially when you're looking at alternative stuff, meaning not mainstream or legacy media. The blogs or the ones that are run by this one guy who's got a voice in, say, the political community. And I'm just using politics as an example because it's easy right now, but this could be for any subject. Right? When, when you're going to a college website and you're reading research papers, research papers look really good. Who wrote them? What do you know about them? What can you find out about that offer? What can you find out about the professor who taught the class? What you can find out about the general idea of the college? Doesn't make the info bad in that paper, but it's to help you identify potential biases of the author. And then if you can identify potential biases the author may have, you can look for them in that piece of work and say, oh, you know what? This isn't clear that it's a bias, but it very well could be. You could look into that piece further and find out that as much as it made sense and the logic of that paper on whatever subject, that actually it probably is a bias and that helps you assess that information a little more clearly and come up with a better picture of what you're looking for. Now, what's important here is it's a different animal to talk to an individual while it requires more work to learn about detecting deception, body language, how to ask questions in a way that you're getting them to give you responses without you know, asking questions in a way to kind of force them into an answer. Like, did you do this or you did, did you do this? That's a horrible question. Some people actually pick one when neither one is true. Takes more work, but you can get better info. Okay, you don't have that when you're reading stuff or doing research online or watching a news broadcast or listening to a podcast on information or reading an article, you have to focus more on yourself, right? Where are they getting this information? What sources do they have in here? Example I use is several years ago, I remember this article come out and it was talking about, some of you may remember this, you can find it. What it claimed was is the I believe it was the FBI had gone over the border in Mexico, like 20 miles. They found a compound. I want to say it was Al-Qaeda, ISIS maybe. Anyway, they'd found papers in like Urdu and Pashto or something. And it was a secret compound and they were going to come here. It was all over the internet. I found 20, 30 places that had it. Now, here was the thing. It wasn't like you hear a breaking news story now and you get essentially the same information, but clearly it was written by different people. This was literally a cut and, place, cut and paste on multiple websites. And while somebody may have owned three or four websites, it definitely wasn't all the same person. And people were buying into this. And there, here was the thing. If you didn't know what you were looking at, you wouldn't know it was bullshit. Because part of it, based on the time and the stuff they found, wasn't possible. Whatever organization owned it was actually at war, fighting and hating the people from another area they claim stuff was from. There were things about the languages. I'll have to find the article. If I find the article or if somebody finds it, send it to me and I'll 
mention on a podcast what specifically was because I remember Urdu was a big Urdu and Dari, one of those two was a big part of it. Why I looked at it and was like, this is ridiculous. So if you're out there, you look that up, you find that article, email it to me or send me a message on Facebook and Twitter. Those are in the show notes, all three of those. And then I'll definitely tell you what it was. But anyway, I've, I see stuff like that all the time. Now, it's not a bad on person. They don't know. And some of the stuff, the way it's written is very compelling. A lot of times, it's not that it's really that compelling. It's that we already tend to believe or want to believe those things. You know, it's kind of like I've told people, why do people believe lies? They tend to only believe lies for two reasons. They're either afraid they're true or they want them to be. That's why a lot of things seem compelling that really aren't. So to go into an objective unbiased is hard. You have to challenge yourself. And that's why I mentioned that other podcast so you can look at that and about your biases. Because confirmation bias is horrible. You know, if you believe something's true, but you decide, well, I'm going to challenge this and see if it's not true, magically it seems like only things you can find support your belief, you're probably subconsciously following a conscious bias or a subconsciously following a confirmation bias. See, normally I would cut those slip-ups out but I'm just not doing it tonight because it's late and I'm drinking coffee. Now, if you do anything, regardless of when you start building this, start with where the podcast started. Start with the people in the networks. That's going to make it easier when you try to do non-people things like news outlets, news sources, because there's other things you need to learn, like better places to look for stuff. Like using Google's horrible. Google itself is horrible. General web searches, even on good web engines that are safe and secure are horrible. You got to look at other things, research papers, right? Who's writing on this stuff? Who are they reading books, books on a subject, especially if it's something that evolves and isn't like static throughout time. So what this does is it gives you a picture. It gives you something to look at that you realize has more pieces in it than you probably already did. It gives you a visual and a way to start a planning session on what information you now want to get. Now, part of getting this stuff on these other people isn't just to manipulate or use to guess them. It's also good practice, a good way to practice your questioning skills, your listening skills, reading body language. This gives you another opportunity for those out there that are following the whole podcast and trying to put this into work and reading the books. Great. That gives you another opportunity for that. Helps refine that skill. That way, if something happens where this really matters to you, like let's just go to the extreme again. Let's go to the old apocalyptic scenario. The caldera erupts, the meteor hits Earth, the ice caps melt, the aliens come, the zombies, whatever. When it comes down to that, your information is going to be people. Pick any apocalyptic movie. They get information from people unless they're in space and have computers. Even like The Walking Dead. Yeah, randomly they talk to somebody on a walkie-talkie, but they're still talking to a person. They don't have all these other things anymore. That's why people are the most important. The other thing is, I know there's people out there that plan for these types of things or versions of it. Like they live in areas now where they really just cannot leave, but the riots, the ones that are actually riots are getting close to them and people are getting displaced and they're really concerned about things. And what they don't realize, and a lot of you might be these people, is despite what you do or don't see on Facebook or wherever you're getting information, they're going onto forums and groups and asking people questions about stuff. They're seeking out information from humans, human intelligence. Like I... I go on the, uh, I'm on a group for H&K Weapons. I'm on there just because I'm waiting to see if they got any new weapons coming out. A lot of people aren't on there. They're asking other people questions in that group. They're seeking information from other people, whether they know they're experts or not. Okay, people naturally do that. This is natural for you to do. 
It just may not be comfortable for you to do until you practice it a little bit. The other thing this does for you when you build up profiles on people and all this information, you'll just kind of come to realize that you'll be sitting there talking to them after you've learned enough about them that you're not, of course, you're not telling them you're doing this. Please, that'll freak people out. Don't do that. But you may find that you choose to research more about a subject they're into that you're not, or do you speak more intelligently, or perhaps ask better questions without being so specific that you shouldn't know that. That's part of the art side of it. In order to get them to communicate to you more specifically, more completely, more deliberately. Okay, when I talked about debriefing, that's how it works. When I was debriefing, I had to go and become a subject matter expert in certain fields, sometimes in a matter of days, in order to meet an asset and ask them questions to get information. And then in some cases, depending on the status, whether it was covered or not, I had to determine how I was going to ask these questions, right? If I'm going to meet a guy as a representative of the government who's a professor in a field of study, I can be very open and direct with them. Just follow whatever plan I have. I'm meeting somebody in a covered status and they don't know who I am and I have a story and I don't necessarily want them to know I know so much about what I'm asking if that's my plan. I know what I want to ask. I just have to choose how to ask it using which words in order to get them to speak more openly and deliberately about it without giving away my level of knowledge or making it look like I'm clearly lying to them at some point and making them suspicious. Okay, this is one of the biggest dangers of I imagine, I don't know cops that have done undercover work. I would imagine this is one of the biggest dangers for law enforcement and undercover work. I know it's a huge danger in the intel side. So what you're doing in developing this network is we're taking it a lot farther. We're getting a bigger picture. We're putting a bunch of people on there. We got another list aside from our network. It's not really in our network, but it's indirect connections. It's like the level below our network. We're profiling people. We're getting information on them, information on the organizations, it's historical if we want to, whatever subject, to find out why they think and believe the way they do, what their true motivations are. We're learning what kind of information they'll give up. We're practicing all of our other skills that I've talked about on the show for months now. We're getting better at obtaining this information, get to the point where they might get more information for you. I mean, you can just act like... Going back to the church thing, you can act like you're interested in possibly switching churches. You can make good reasons for it. And you can have them get you information. And the thing is, we do that on the Intel side all the time. It's not just to get them to get us the information we want. Sometimes it's practice. Will they really do it? What will they get us? How good will the Intel be? What process did they follow to get it? And it's a way to evaluate them before we give them the real work. You find out all kinds of stuff. Not just better ways to communicate, but who's really going to talk more? Who's going to do work for you? This is how you develop a network, a source network, and also how you, which is part of the Intel network because this is where you're getting all your Intel from, a majority of it, man, maybe half for some of you. We're doing the same thing on the other side with media. It's just we're taking it beyond media. Okay, it shouldn't just, social media personally I don't think should be on the list, at least not the big ones like Facebook. Twitter mainly, maybe if you're following accounts, some of the accounts like I do that are world leaders, military leaders, people are speaking for countries, not media personalities or celebrities, unless you have a specific reason for it, in order to gauge their view on what they're thinking about things going on in the world. That's why I do that. You know, there's that. But things like Facebook, Instagram, I don't think are really necessarily sources of intel unless you're, you know, chasing some girl, hoping to date some supermodel. 
We're learning how to task people. We're collecting more information. It gives us a way to identify our intel gaps, to have more conscious knowledge of the things we want to know that we do not have. And I got to tell you, this is scratching the surface, as I always say, but this is generally how the process works. This is how it works to develop that network. Just in some places, just like in your own life, the network kind of already exists. You just don't realize it. And the thing is, you can add on to this. You can develop new networks. Once you make all these connections, and I would say identify the existing networks, put people in there the way I described that you already know you're getting stuff from, right? Make a list of those indirect connections. Figure out how all these people on your list are already directly connected. Make a list of potentials. Make a list of potentials. Let's say you got people at work, right? You know you could probably get info out of because you know other people get info from them, but you're not getting the info from them, so they don't count. But you can make a list of potentials. You can make a secondary list under work as potentials or whatever you want to call them. People you could probably go to and get information because other people are getting information. The other thing, too, you're putting on these profiles, what kind of stuff are they talking about? Like this guy, Drew, we know he likes to talk about politics at the water cooler. And then my friend Molly over here just loves talking about her family, right? If she loves talking about her family and her kids and taking pictures of her dog, she'll probably tell you more about her family. You may find more information out, okay? Now you're thinking, well, that's great and everything, but I don't care. Well, a couple things. One, that's practice, a person to practice on. Just be careful. You don't want to lose a friend. The other thing is, is when you develop these relationships, okay, so you already have a relationship with Molly. She's your friend. This is another type of relationship. This is the intel relationship we're looking at. It may come when something happens, Molly's willing to talk about more things. So if you've got a friend like Molly, ask yourself this question. At what point did she start being more open about things affecting her life that had nothing to do with what she typically loves to talk about? And I'm talking about those people that tend to focus solely on one thing, especially when they're focusing a lot on themselves. A good example is how many people in your life right now do you talk to that talk about the pandemic, closures, whether or not you should be wearing masks, all the things like this for the last few months that you can say to yourself, looking back, I realize... The last three years I've known this person hasn't really talked about much of anything, but then this pandemic came. Something's going to come like that again. And you may get information on that. Now you can find out people's motivations. Why do they believe these things to be true? Where are they getting that information from? Is that an information source you've vetted? Is that a person you've vetted? Can you vet them? And you're doing a lot of this on your own. Now, as I said, we're scratching the surface. So I'll give you an idea how this works. When I used to interview people, Intel officers, enlisted soldiers go work with Joint Task Force under the soft Joint Task Force umbrella, we'll call it. It's, it's JSOC. Enough people say JSOC. I guess you can say that now. That we would profile them. We'd learn everything about them. We'd look at their social media. It was already getting reviewed anyway. We'd officers come in. They'd write essays. Okay, I would look at their bio, and I would go so far in their bio profiling them that based on how they read it, I, I can tell you what questions to ask. Be like, oh, this dude's got a problem with his mom. He's got a problem with his dad. Doesn't have a relationship with his brother. Oh, this guy's really here because he wants to be a hero. You know, this guy likes to brag about himself. And it wouldn't be obvious to most people, and I would explain why, based on how they wrote it. I would do the same thing in ripping their language apart, going just beyond detecting deception. Here's what they're really saying. Here's what they're doing. And then when I was challenged on it, I would just prove it. I would say, this question needs asked, you need to ask it, or I'll ask it, or I'll behave this way, or you do this. We did it all the time. 
And yeah, it was fun. I like doing it. It's like you're messing with people, but we would see that it would work. And we would do that all the time. And then I would work source networks in this group of people I was training. I would talk to all these enlisted kids that lived in the barracks. They'd tell me all kinds of stuff about what they were doing. They'd tell me stuff that would get them in trouble because I wasn't a green suitor. I mean, I wasn't wearing a uniform. I was a civilian. You know, and then when they believed, because I worked for the director, but when they believed I was making the decisions, then they wouldn't tell me stuff. We'd play with this all the time. They had no idea. You know, do I do it to everybody all the time? No, but I do try to find things out about people. When I worked in a nonprofit training people down here in Arizona, for a while in the beginning, we'd get people that would apply, and they had this simple background check process. I'd pull up their information. I would start looking them up just because it was kind of a vetting thing. I'd look at their social media. I'd find out what they're interested in, what they like, what they don't like, what kind of stuff they're sharing. You know, I would look up court records. I would do all kinds of stuff. And then I'd write something up on them, a profile. And I'd talk about all kinds of stuff. He used this phone number. The phone number shows that it's existed for 15 years. It's been through three or four of these companies, more than likely since he just moved here a year ago. And that's when it switched to Verizon. That's probably when he got the new number or, or whatever. I notice he's really into sports, especially football. He's a fan of these types of teams. So this is a guy that's probably not going to want to train on big football seasons or during the Super Bowl. There's enough of it there. He retweets a lot of stuff like this or whatever on these type of things from these types of sources. This is probably the type of person he is. And we would use that to give to the interviewer, the recruiter that would speak to them to have a better understanding of them. And then would verify it. Sometimes they talk about, are you into sports? What kind of sports do you like? Find out the same information. See how close I was. Not for an accuracy check, just it was helpful. You know, and that's kind of what you're doing. Another thing you can add onto this. You might identify people that you want to use maybe unknowingly to them as a mentor and a subject. Maybe there's something they're into you always want to get into and you learn more about. You didn't know they knew. And eventually you choose to develop that relationship on a personal level or a business level in order to get mentored in something. That's not a bad thing. If you really think about it, short of documenting this and trying to make a conscious effort to get a bio on somebody, in general, people do this all the time. They just don't catalog it. They don't have a plan for it. That's why I say it's human nature. Another thing you can do, let's say you want to start a group, a hobbyist group. Maybe you want to start a group of people for preparedness. That's been popping up a lot this year. You'll identify people in these networks over time based on profiling them. Part of profiling, you can look on social media. Like I said, you can look at their likes, their interests and stuff. If they're, you're not that familiar with them on social media, you can do that. I just say don't use social media as a source for news. And you may find that in your networks and even a few guys that are on the indirect side, might be guys, that want to come together and learn some more preparedness stuff. Or maybe they want to learn some medical training. Maybe you find out they all used to have some interest in photography and so do you and you get them all together and start doing that. That happens all the time. When I was growing up as a kid, I had to go to church and they had some of those like home groups you can go to and have church or whatever. The groups that started were people that knew each other or became friends and then the types of groups they had like when they were teaching groups they wanted to focus more on a subject and not really talk about the Bible so much. They would find people by talking to people to learn, oh, well, Bob over here is totally interested in cooking. And learning more about barbecue because they did stuff like that sometimes. So they get the guys together and invite them into this group. Okay, that's another another thing you can do. You can find out all kinds of stuff about people. Who's a threat? 
Who's done something bad? Who's the person, if everything falls apart, you realize, oh my God, I really love this person, but I don't think I can trust them. You will find this type of information out on people. You'll find out there's some quiet person somewhere that you think's nerdy or thinks a loser, something bad, or everybody thinks something bad, maybe you don't. And then you find out there's all kinds of cool stuff about them, and this is a person you want inside your network somewhere. And then you place them in your network, add them. Build up a profile, build up information. Do the same thing with the non-people stuff. You know another way to look at this? This is the process of online dating, if you really think about it. Right, you got a profile or some sort of bio that's publicly put out there. It's the one, if they were in person, they generally talk about. You pick who you want to talk to that you want to put in your network, right? Which is probably your bedroom in most situations. But you want to put them in your network. You talk to them, communicate to them. You find out their motivations. You find out what they're really there. You get personal information. The things we normally talk about, like... You know, you're going on dates. You don't want to talk about politics and high sensitive topics, but you talk about work and family and your interests, how often you like to do stuff, how often you're free, right? These are all the same things. And you're choosing whether or not you want to audition them essentially for your network. And then you see where it goes. And most of the time we get fired. But it's the same process, right? It's the principle. The principle is the same. We're just putting more effort into it and we're focused on gaining information. And the long term goal is to get people to get things for you. may not be all of them, probably won't be. But you can at least identify some people that are willing to do it, whether they know it or not, because most of the time the people don't know what they're doing for you, that you're getting them to do. Like I'll give you an example. I got my oil change the other day here in town, right? So when you go to a place that primarily focuses on the oil change, there's usually a guy sitting there, and I happen to be in the first stall right by the computer, and they tend to focus a lot on you. You're the customer. They also don't want you getting out of the car, at least not at this one. So things I started doing right away. Started matching his pace of speech, talking a little bit more like him, the type of person I would say, not specifically like him. I tried to mirror and match him a little bit with what could be seen in my body and the casualness of it. I started seeing what he was willing to talk about and I did this because I just asked one question because I was just curious. You know, since you really don't have to get out of the car and you kind of want people to roll the winners up, is it really affected the business here with the virus? And he was like, oh, yeah. And he said, a lot of businesses in town. I mean, it's like, really? Like oil businesses, like guys like this? So he started telling me about the different companies that do oil changes and the competitors, the companies that do more stuff, you know, like they change brakes and stuff, but they also do oil changes. And they start talking about some other businesses. And I was like, that's crazy. I never heard that. Like, that's what I said. And he didn't say nothing. I was like, I wouldn't even know how to find that kind of stuff out. And he's like, oh, well, I know this guy over here and he works at this company. And then this happened. This person knows this person who's on the city council. Like, it's got really in-depth. Like, this guy was just throwing stuff out there. So what I realized he's willing to do is give me all kinds of information. I didn't think anything was, like, proprietary necessarily to his business. But he was giving me business information. How is affecting the local economy? Outside of just the automotive industry, identifying people of sources of information and the ones I could find was a city council member if I wanted to, which means that person's at least talking to an associate or a friend. So if I made friends with them, they'd probably talk to me or I could get it through another friend. I could have chosen to write down names, look this guy up in social media, find out who he is. It wouldn't take me long to find out who some of these other people are and I could identify one of his whole networks. I could create that as a network if I wanted to. That's another thing you can do.
Because when it comes to the Intel side, especially when it comes to like war fighting, when we do this, that's what we do. And it all typically starts with human collection. It just goes to the analysts. You're just acting as both, right? You're fulfilling multiple roles. This whole process, this is how we identify sources or new sources. This is how we work detainees and assets. This is how we target people. This is how we collect information, get patterns of life so we can go kill or capture a bad guy. It's all the same principle. This is how we find sources of information, get more intel. Through this process, you can figure out how freely a person's willing to talk to you. They give you a lot of information they cite as facts. Let's say you're able to go in there unbiasedly and realize why he thinks this, but they're not really facts. They're things he believes. You realize you got a guy who's willing to talk to you, willing to get you information, willing to go do what he's told to do. But you find out, generally speaking, maybe he's got his own bias, whatever it is, all he's giving you is bad intel because you get this far into it. Not because of your own beliefs or your own biases, you're able to vet and verify not only him, but what he's giving you. Okay, this is what we do on the intel side. We rate these guys, we rate the sources, and we rate the intel. Then it gets to the point where you realize, this guy's been giving me bad stuff all along. Why am I still working for him? Because he might drop a gem every once in a while. Or he might just want a friend. But you have to be aware of that. In the same way, if you got somebody that's always giving you good information, no matter what it is, you're going to start tending to just automatically believe it. You got to put in your due diligence on every single one equally because good sources will give you bad intel. And it's not because they're lying. They just might believe it to be true for all kinds of reasons. That's what they were told. That's what the policy is. That's what they believe. That's what their emotions tell them. There's all kinds of reasons. So if you haven't really done the numbers yet, let's take a look at this. We got 25 people. We've decided to put in, we'll say, four different networks. A few of them are connected. A few are indirectly connected. Let's say we've identified another 10 potentials that on occasion we may choose to build a profile on. Okay, your profile, depending on what all you want to put on there, could be a couple of pages. So you could have two or three pages on each one of these people. Then you've got everything in their networks or their direct or indirect connections you're choosing to exploit based on what you know about them, which might be further family, might be their work, you know, and, and maybe you're thinking, this isn't what I want. Well, where are they working? Like, if you're wanting news and information on current events, do you have friends and stuff in that field, in that business? Okay, you can find things out from a security guard or custodian that works the night shift at CNN if you know them. Okay, don't discount those guys. Don't go for what looks sexy. Okay, custodians, security guards, some of the best sources in the world. The cook, all those guys, the driver, right? Not necessarily the boss or the big target. And then you got all the places, the locations, the organizations, however many there are in each person, and you're trying to build a profile on them. You might end up easily six to 10 pages on every individual, right? Let's say you came up with 10 over time. Okay, that's 250 pages plus those potentials lists we talked about. And plus however many indirect connections you have of people that you may choose to add later, plus whoever else you add later, right? So this gets pretty big. What else can you do? Trade it like targeting, right? You build patterns of life. Maybe you choose for whatever reason, which again, be very careful with this because you can get in trouble. You don't want somebody coming to your house, searching your house, finding out it's the wrong house, and you know all this weird shit on people. They're gonna think you're a stalker or a serial killer. But one of the things we do in the intel world is we do things like maps. We get maps, imagery, surveillance, overflight. You know, we create maps. We take maps and just put 
we track them on the map. Like, here's where they are. Here's where they are. They're always going here at this time. They're always going here at this time. Now, even if you don't do it on a map, let's say you know that. Like, you generally build a pattern of life. Going back to the guy who goes to the hobby thing. Let's say he's not banging the Asian hooker, but he's going to the hobby thing. You know where he's going to be. You can run into him. It happens. It's just got to be something that makes sense. Kind of the gray man thing. It needs to look like you're supposed to be there. It needs to be a good reason. You got to have your story planned. You got to have some skills. Doesn't take much, but does take practice. But you can choose to run into people. Okay, you have that option. We do that with sources all the time. Okay, in some situations. Your regular everyday sources on the battlefield, not so much. Bigger assets, that can definitely happen. However, the stuff I've been talking about in like the last 20 minutes, we're talking like months down the road. Don't be trying to do this next week. You're going to get caught. You're going to look stupid. People are going to figure things out. Do it slow. Practice your skills. Because the biggest way you're going to get caught is how you're doing it. It's how you're doing it, what you're saying to them, especially when it's somebody you normally communicate with. So when we're looking at these known associations, those are the first ones you're going to blow it on. Continue to talk to them in the pace, the manner, and level you currently are. Just start to slowly change your observation skills, your listening skills, and your communication questions and skills on getting information where you want to go with stuff without getting overly nosy. If you only go a couple questions deep on anything they talk about, start by only going a couple questions deep, maybe occasionally adding a follow-up. Don't hit them with 20 questions with 10 follow-ups eat like they're an interrogation. It's going to be noticed. And that's going to be true of somebody you don't know because it's weird. It's abnormal, right? It's different if you're doing an interview. If you got a podcast and you get somebody on as a guest, that's kind of the format. People expect that. Okay. Somebody in the checkout stand, they're going to notice that. It's weird. Now let's take this a step farther because I see right now we just hit an hour. Let's take this a step farther. Here's what else you can do. Guess what you're going to identify after we have all this information or start getting it, even from the beginning, when you start even compiling what you already know on the first person, you're going to start to identify their networks, their networks in the same manner you're looking at them. So let's say you talk to grandpa, grandpa still works. Say he works in a wood shop. He talks about work and the people are there and the things they do. You can actually start to construct his network and the information you have and profile those individuals if you want to. It doesn't take long to start connecting people you never think to connect, kind of like the whole was six or seven steps to Kevin Bacon thing. You'd be surprised how many steps it takes to get from one person to another in many situations. They will pop out at you. Occasionally, you'll run into ones you'd think they connect, and they don't. But you can start to identify other networks people have. That gives you other possible assets, other sources of information, other places to research, people to research in order to task that person in your network to get that information for you or to find something out. Gives you something else to learn. This is how these networks work. You can do the same thing with all the non-people stuff, all the media, research papers, books, magazines, whatever you're doing to collect information. Now, when it gets to that point, do the people stuff first. I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna be glad you did. One of the things when we look at all the non-people stuff, we're generally talking about something called OSINT, open source intelligence. OSINT's a very specific intelligence field. Generally speaking, what it is, is all the stuff that's out there is publicly available, whether you know how to find it or not, right? There's all kinds of classified information on the internet that shouldn't be there. Some of it's silly, a lot of it's not. So if I could give you 
one thing on open source would be this. There's a guy named Mike Basil runs a private company to help people hide their information and stuff online, which you can pay him to do it. It's going to cost you a lot. Okay, this book isn't cheap. It's probably 60 or 70 bucks still. It's called Open Source Intelligence Techniques. It's a good book. It's a good read. There's other books out there, but if you really want to get into this, if you're going to listen to Podcast 10, you really want to learn how to go into this unbiased, you really want to find more new tools on the internet you didn't know were out there open source to really find information on people and how to do it and where to go to places request information on purpose, you need a book like this. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes if I remember. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm an affiliate anymore, so I'm not going to make money off of it. But definitely look it up. Okay, it's it's like the sixth edition or something. He revises these whenever some new thing comes out or something doesn't work anymore or some company on the internet doesn't exist anymore. I will tell you this. If you're not in the market for a 60 or $70 book, but one of the older editions, let's say you can find it on eBay for 15 or 20 bucks and it's your market, I would get it. There's going to be plenty of stuff in there you can use, and a lot of the stuff that's changed or doesn't work anymore, you'll find it out as you go. Just like if you watch a YouTube video on how to use a piece of software and you realize the video was made three years ago, some things are slightly different, but generally it's the same. You know, if you got the money, buy the newest version. If you don't, look for an older one, especially on eBay or used on Amazon or something like that, or some of these online bookstores. But that's going to help you do that. You need a tool like that to show you, or a book like that to show you where more tools are, more ways to do things you didn't know were out there, Plus, going in with that unbiased approach, realizing what intelligence is, wanting to actually use it as a verb and not just say, oh, I found this article of information, so that's intelligence. It's not intelligence. You'll learn how to vet this stuff. You'll learn how to do that. A lot of that vetting and stuff of information applies to people or what applies to people applies to information, a good portion of it, not all of it. Now, if you don't do this, which you don't have to do that. I'm just saying, what's the downside of not doing this? Or maybe I choose not to do it on somebody. You're going to find out that you draw conclusions, even if you do them objectively and fairly, that are wrong. We do it all the time with people. We make decisions on what they think, what they like, based on limited interactions, limited future conversations, with no plan on how to get more information out of them. We just take what we got from them and call it fact. Call it truth. It's what people do with the news right now. Okay. Look at fake news. Everybody's doing fake news. Doesn't matter what you call fake news, they all do it. Right? They don't care. It's like, uh, if you don't know what you're looking for, or definitely don't know the history of it, which most people wouldn't, look at Russia. Well, there's collusion with Trump. Now it's basically collusion with the Bidens. Okay, Russia doesn't care. They just want to watch our system burn down. That's the real story. Whether or not any of that stuff's true or been faked. And it's very easy to fake that stuff and make it look real. Just saying, whichever side you're on on that, what the Russians want, they want our system to burn down. Now imagine what you know and what you can use. You've got all these people, you've got these profiles, you got direct and indirect connections, potential people. What else did we say we had? We had the list of locations or hobby organizations, whatever, and we got all kinds of information on that. We started developing networks on people in our networks. We started identifying their own network that maybe we can use or use in the future. We can create our own new networks of people for whatever reason. Imagine the information you would know and that you could use to your advantage without even trying to manipulate people just to make better decisions. Imagine the skills you'll learn over time on how to better evaluate other information. How much more quickly and easily you'll evaluate an individual when you talk to them, especially when you develop the other skills we talked about, like body language detecting exception. 
and then the best part about all this, this is, is fun. This is exactly what will happen. This is exactly what I tell people I train. The more you do of this, the more you realize you don't know. It's like I used to tell people when I train them. The more I train you, whether it was generally or on a subject, the more you're going to realize you don't know. And that's going to give you better questions to ask, bigger things to chase. Through this process of this big picture of all the stuff we develop, you can also pinpoint areas because you're not going to get it all. But if you build a general base, you can figure out what areas you really want to go after. You know, maybe you find out all 25 people you could really develop to get you information. But does that matter? Do they have information you want? Sure, you can do it as an evaluation and training process, but why do that with all 25? Let's say five of them have stuff you know you want, and then you can pick your targets, basically the targets to give you the intel. Same thing with news sources. You can do the same thing with news sources. Now, some people see this like, this is crazy. You can do this at any level you want. I'm just giving you a scratch the surface idea how to get this started if you really wanted to get into it, if you really wanted to build that network that you decided you needed for whatever reason. You got to go this far into it. You got to be that committed. I wouldn't tell anybody you're doing it. I wouldn't advertise it. But I'd use this as a way to identify people and places and organizations you want to get intel from, that you want to exploit further, meaning get more information from, that you want to target now or in the future that you want to have on a list, a database somewhere to know that you can reference that for future needs, that you can prepare better to communicate to people to get information, or even as much as I've said, get information. What about you planting information, true or not, giving information? Like, I don't think you should go out there and be a gossip person, but sometimes it's done that way, giving false information to check a result to see what they're willing to do or giving them good information. Or giving them information you figure is going to get talked to to one of those indirect connections that you don't want to talk to yet. How long will this take you? Probably months. But you know what? You know how long it takes to lose 50 pounds in the gym? Probably months. It's something you do little bits of regularly that you have is something that you're going to choose to do, to put together. Probably like anything, you'll dive in head first, but pace yourself. Don't overwhelm yourself. How long would it really take to do this with 25 people and going just as far as I've said now? You really want to sit down behind a computer, have the time and the time to have the conversations, probably two or three weeks. It's theoretically possible with very, very long days. It's probably going to take you months. So come up with a plan on how you want to do it. And how will you come up with that plan? Start by making that list of the networks that you know you have. And from there, the plan develops itself. If you follow what I said, putting the people in there finding the direct connections, find the indirect connections, start finding the organizations and all of those, then start profiling all those people and organizations based on what you already know without talking to them. What are we doing with this? We're making what's called assessments. That's why I go back to the original statement. If it was true, it wouldn't be intelligence. We make assessments based on current information. We ask questions to get more information and to identify information we don't have. Intel gaps, right? So Intel gaps, just in case that last statement was confusing, Intel gaps is completely missing information. The other one is more detail on existing information, which still could be considered an Intel gap, but generally speaking, it's completely missing. I guess realistically, whether or not it's an Intel gap depends on who the boss is and if they say it's a gap. That's really what it comes down to, despite what doctrine says. So it doesn't matter. It's just this gives you a plan and a process and you develop these networks. You can do this together with other people, right? A lot of this is think of it as a way to do your own background check. 
you got a way to run background checks on people, you can do that. I'd just be careful with it. I wouldn't use most of these bullshit sites. It's, you know, $1.99 for one look or $5 for a month. Use that open source intelligence book. Now, that being said, this is probably close to my longest show I've done or in the neighborhood of the top two or three longest ones. This can go farther. There are more things we can do. I'm just going to stop here because for most people, this is a lot of information. This is a lot of stuff to work on. And, of course, I'm doing an audio podcast, so I don't have any visuals to give you an idea and draw pictures and lines. Right, But go back and listen to it as much as you need to. This will work for anybody. Everybody has a network. Homeless people have a network. Right, Guys live in the outback in Australia. They have a network. Everybody's got one or more networks. And just remember, focus on people first because that's really what's going to matter in the long term. You can add all the other stuff later. Okay, But the network you're building is people and places that you are getting information. That's why we're identifying places we're already getting information from. We're going to go into it later and decide what information we want, what don't we want. Even though we're getting information from this source we don't want, they're giving us information, which means they potentially will give us other information in the future when something comes up or we're able to get it from them. That's why you don't want to discount. Don't discount a source that's giving you information now, even if it's information you don't want. Okay, you're going to sell yourself short and cut your network too small. You're going to miss out on opportunities. Hope you liked that podcast. Definitely check out the show notes under the section in this episode. I'll put up the link to that book at a minimum. And then we'll get this out there. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, or you want to know more about this, please let me know. In the show notes is a link to my email as well as Facebook and Twitter where you can send me messages or comment on this podcast if you so choose. Thank you to everybody out there who's been shooting me questions and ideas. we got some more episodes coming. I am probably going to do one on some iAccess queuing NLP stuff. It's another way to sort of detect deception, but also to do some other things, and it's kind of fun. It just requires one visual, but I'm probably going to do that as well as a few other I got ready to go. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be here again with more content on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.